0: You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series, A Tour Through John, now looking at Lesson 10. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now, here's today's teaching. You're listening to Lesson Number 10 in a tour through John. We continue the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, one that I propose could be called the stranger, and that's because it challenges us to the core in how we relate to strangers and how they perceive us. We pick it up in verse 25 of John chapter 4. The woman said to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, and we're on their way to him. Wow, the conversation is really going in a great direction. Jesus identifies himself as the Messiah. And at this point, the disciples who had left Jesus at the well return. And there's deep irony here they are taken aback that Jesus is speaking with the woman. Well, for pretty much the same reasons she was taken aback when he initiated the conversation earlier on. They, however, were not sensitive, not thinking of her, her needs. They didn't even ask why Jesus was speaking with her. She goes off, leaves the water jar. Now, I don't know why she left it. Probably because she was planning to come back. Maybe she simply left it because drawing that kind of water no longer seemed significant. The real point was to go to the city and introduce them to this man. Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done, she says, with a hint of exaggeration, but the feeling is very clear. Returning to her village, the woman instantly becomes an evangelist for Jesus. She's the one doing what the disciples should have been doing. In effect, they've traded places. Her action is in stark contrast to the spiritual dullness of the disciples, who are oblivious to what has just happened. As often in the Gospel of John, someone is on Channel 2. It's the disciples. If they were on Channel 1, which now, fortunately, because of his bold outreach, the Samaritan woman is on Channel 1. If they could only be on that channel, they would understand. Well, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Again, channel two, right? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more than comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, you have entered into their labor. For disciples of Christ, this is certainly one of the most familiar passages in John's gospel, where Jesus affirms that his food is to do God's will, to complete his work. Uh, Chapter 17, verse 4, chapter 19, 8, chapter 19, verse 30, other verses that are in the notes. I hope you'll take a look at those after. And of course, he invites his followers to share in the work. Well, with harvest, it's all about timing. This is not to say that evangelistic outreach isn't concerned with timing. But Jesus's point is that all around us, there are people who are ready, ready to hear the word, ready to respond, ready to be harvested. And yeah, some people may need more time than others, but there are always people around. And I've experienced this in my travels around the globe. People are people everywhere. And I'm always amazed how despite, well, a wide range of backgrounds and attitudes, different ages, different life experiences, people are come to Christ when they understand the message, whether they're Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, atheists, uh, uh, people who are nominally Christian, and so forth. And this fuels Jesus. It's his food. He feeds off that. We're created to work. Adam was created to work the garden, Genesis 2.15, not to be lazy. And a lazy Christian or one who's bought into the values of the world is is really a contradiction in terms. We share in Jesus's work. Now, he makes an interesting comment that others have done the hard work. The saying, one sows, another reaps, similar to Paul's comment in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 about watering, planting seeds, watering, and yet God giving the increase. Well, someone else had done the work. Well, who's that? The Old Testament prophets. So many of them had, had spoken to the Samaritans. Remember, the Samaritans are simply the, uh, the, the inhabitants of the northern kingdom of Israel after it was taken into captivity by the Assyrians. Uh, foreigners were transplanted there. There was intermarriage. Again, 2 Kings 17 explains that. And uh, up to the captivity, you had people preaching like Amos, and after the captivity, Uh, We see all kinds of interactions in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament prophets had actually prepared the ground already, and the woman herself was a representative of a God-fearing Samaritan who was ripe, who's ready to respond. And isn't it that way so often? Yeah, sometimes we have to do all the work. We meet someone and we help them come to faith. We answer their questions. We study the scriptures. It may take years. Usually, in my case, I don't know why, but Recently, it seems most of the people I help uh, take years to come around. Maybe I'm working with the Tough Nuts, (laughs) but I love them. Uh, But other people uh, can come around in in days, weeks, or months, you know, relatively quickly. And uh, sometimes that's just their heart. Uh, Other times it's because, well, I'm not the first person to reach out to them. Seeds have been planted, maybe in um, a different kind of Christian church they were involved in. And even if that church was off the mark, often there's still many true things that have been taught and then have been absorbed. Or uh, the ground may have been prepared through their life experience or through having a spiritual parent or a grandparent. Well, let's not be, um, let's not take credit where we shouldn't take credit. Uh, We all work together. It's teamwork. And that's how our lives should be, our small groups, our congregations. Let's keep going. Many Samaritans from that city—this is, of course, a Sichar, believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe— For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Now, that's a great testimony, a great confession of Christ's identity. And again, John has those seven I am statements, which we'll uh, start studying in chapter 6, a few lessons from now. It has the seven uh, testimonies, uh, such as this one, and of course, the seven signs. In the book of Signs, chapters 2 to 11. This is so encouraging. Through his sharing with her, Jesus's, the Samaritan woman's perspective has changed. And it's changed very quickly as she's come to appreciate who Jesus is. Now, at the beginning, he's just a thirsty Jewish man. Verse 9, he says, would you give me a drink? Right? And she's surprised that, you know, this man is asking her. He's just a thirsty Jewish man. But once they get into the conversation, her respect for him uh, deepens enormously, and she acknowledges that he's a prophet. She understands that. That's verse 19. And then she understands he's the Jewish Messiah, verse 29, and also verse 26. But here, uh, her understanding, the affirmation of her community with which she is shared, is that he's savior of the world. Verse 42, that's the verse we just read. So going from a thirsty Jewish man to a prophet, to a Jewish Messiah, to the Savior of the world, including the Samaritans, this is quite challenging to me personally. How do I view strangers? How do I view strangers and how do they view me? Maybe they just see me as, uh, I don't know, a tall, bald, white guy. If we get into a conversation, they, they may view me as a Christian worker or maybe a a nuisance of some kind, depending on how I've conducted myself and what they're like. <laughs> but as we go deeper, they may understand that, wow, there's some potential here. Uh, yes, I, I want what you have. And even if it's a brief encounter, they want to be connected with others who can help them to go further. So perspective depends so much on relationship, and relationships depend on conversations. And so I'd, I'd like to ask you, especially if you're an older Christian, how often do you strike up conversations with strangers? How often, with people that you know somewhat, do you push to go deeper? Now, take a chance. Yeah, maybe of, of it's always a possibility of offending someone, even if you're kind in what you say. But do we do that or we just take the easy way? And I'm not saying that uh, every single person that we meet, we have to have a conversation with, uh, because often that would be <laughs> rudeness to everyone else. But I think too often we pride ourselves on our maturity, our smoothness, and the result is we don't really have a lot of conversations except with people we know, typically Christians or the same old uh, prospective guests. Is that okay? Uh, One conversation led to this change in Jesus's plans. Remember, the beginning of the chapter, he's going through Samaria. He's going through, not around, which... Not just geographically, but let's say psychologically, most of the Jews would have done. And even if they had gone straight through, I doubt they would have had some conversation. Uh, not not spiritual conversation. One conversation led to a change in Jesus' plans, and he stays two days in that Samaritan village, and all these people come to faith. Well, their response could hardly have been more positive. Remember 111, he came to his own and his own didn't receive him? Well, of course, in a sense, the humans didn't receive him, but particularly the Jewish people. But here, the Samaritans received him. So chapter four, the response of the inhabitants of Sichar is a, uh, a beautiful illustration of what happens when people do receive him. And obviously, I don't mean in the modern evangelical sense of they said a prayer, they bowed their head and asked him to come into the heart, because biblically, that's not what receiving Christ is. They accepted him and his message. Again, John 12, 47, 48, if what I've said was too fast or too confusing. So many people we ignore, we pass by, or we may actually write off, well, they may actually be seeking. Well, this is one of my favorite passages, and I think you see why. Before we pray, um, a few comments and a couple of suggestions. If you want to go further, there's a sermon on the Woman of the Well that's linked in the notes to the podcast and there's also a link to an old uh, New Testament character podcast at the website I have over a hundred character podcasts looking at major and minor characters of both testaments, men and women and uh, of course a lot of the material would be uh, would overlap with this lesson or even with the sermon. but if you want to go deeper, um, there you go it may give you ideas particularly if you're wondering how to lead a group discussion, or maybe it's like a discipling circle, or, or maybe you need to, to do a talk, a class, or a sermon. Well, um, three, three thoughts I'd like to leave us with here. Uh, next time, we'll continue. We'll finish off uh, chapter four. Um, there are still uh, uh, another 12 verses to cover, but I, I don't think I can fit it in today. Well, the first thought is that since Jesus is Savior of the world, shouldn't we have a global view of things? Um, I, I put a lot of time into correspondence. I know not everyone is into writing letters and emails and, and phone calls, but I correspond with men and women in, in about 150 countries around the world. Most of those countries I've been to and many of the people I've met personally. But I try to be a learner because there's so many cultures. And, you know, we tend to think that we're culturally sensitive, We've heard, if you're an American, we've heard of The Ugly American. That was a title of a famous book by Lederer and Burdick. We were required to read it in school. But we think, oh, I'm not an ugly American. I would be respectful. I wouldn't, uh, you know, flout the the conventions. Um, And we are, just like we think we're better than average drivers and and so forth. (laughs) It's just not possible. So to become more aware of what's going on, to be more sensitive Uh, to how Christ is perceived in various cultures can really pay off. Because the whole world is open. I can testify to that. And I rejoice when I meet people who've become Christians, especially the farther the culture is from from my own culture. Um, So a second thought. So first, simply to have contact. And you can do this if you meet someone at a conference. Exchange contact information. Stay in touch. It's very easy today. And I'm aware that in some countries... It's somewhat dangerous or it's just not permitted. Uh, The governments are very restrictive. They're totalitarian, but we can still do our best. Second thought, uh, try to rise above uh, your local situation and and take a global perspective. Do things like read the news at least once a week. You can do it online. Um, They still make analog newspapers with newsprint. <laughs> uh, but that's just a great thing to do, to know what's going on. So then we do meet people from other places. We're not out of touch. And we say, huh I never heard that uh, place. Uh, what continent is that in? Uh, I was once talking to a Christian sister, and uh, she thought Australia was in Africa. A- and she was fairly educated. I- I'm afraid that just doesn't do. If we want to build respect, if we want people to trust us, that we know what we're talking about, when we present the word, uh, we've got to be better than average, let's say, in our grasp of what's going on in the world. Pay attention, leaders especially. Uh, find a pen pal or a Christian soulmate in another country. Travel abroad if you can. Read books on history and culture. Reach out to people from all parts of the world. Don't forget your own. Sometimes it's easier to reach out to someone who's from a very religious nation than it is to reach out to your neighbor, and that's not right either, and and, and unless we deal with that, we end up uh, getting very uh, significant imbalances, demographic imbalances in the local church. We we should reflect the uh, society we're in, not its values, obviously. No, but demographically, are we giving everyone a fair shake? And then last, appreciate that Jesus is not the messiah for the Jews only he's the Christ for us christ of course is more of a greek word messiahs is mashiach is the hebrew word he's the christos christos the christ for us for other nations and for the whole world let's pray lord we're um, so inspired by uh, not just the example of Jesus the example of the woman but uh, what happened around that well and then in the, in the town? Uh, had Jesus even changed his schedule? It seems so unlikely that uh, someone as damaged as she was and potentially as disillusioned as she was could muster the energy uh, to try again to believe and to share. And we admit freely that so often that describes us. And often we've not been nearly as damaged as she has. to take away our excuses. Lord, I pray that the lesson will be an encouragement, not a discouragement, that we'll continue to study John and teach us many great things. for we ask this in your son's name, amen. Well, thank you for listening. Now, so what's coming up? Uh, Tomorrow, lesson 11, we'll be finishing off uh, chapter four, and uh, we'll be coming into chapter five, which is the healing of the man at the pools of Bethesda. Um, I was there a few uh, months ago. Um, those pools, or at least that area, is still there, and you can imagine it, huge area. And as, as we go through, uh, John, I really want to do what I can to bring it to life. And I appreciate uh, all of you who are putting time into studying. You're looking at the, the maps at the back of your Bible. You're taking the suggestions in the notes. You're clicking on the links and, and going further. Uh, we'll keep going through uh, chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, and then we'll uh, have a, a suggestion for Memory verses from the first uh, ten chapters, and uh, I hope that you'll you won't chicken out, but you'll do it. You'll you'll push yourself. It's it's good for the soul. Uh, then we'll continue as we go into the uh, second half of John, and that'll reach into February. Um, if you are, uh, I know I'm just I just date stamped, I just time stamped this presentation. Okay, this is January 2017, uh, but it'll go into uh, the next month, and uh, then we'll have more memory verses. And I'm actually even going to make a, a quiz. Uh, obviously, you don't have to take it. There's no way to follow up on you, but I hope you will. Uh, it'll be based on, on this entire course. I, I'd also like to get into the letters of John. That's only seven chapters at all, and we won't go into Revelation. Um, I've got about 60 pages at the website on that already, uh, but um, maybe just a lesson or two um, and more of a summary nature. So thank you for listening Um, thank you for being uh, part of this and pray that you'll continue uh, to learn and and really let it make a difference in your life. Uh, As we proclaim Jesus is the Savior, not of our village, our, our town, our state, our province, our country, our continent. He's the Savior of the entire world. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on a tour through John. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.